Welcome to How We Grow, an essential playbook to grow and scale your vacation rental business with advice and insights from the best in the biz with your host, Linnell Gordon. Welcome to How We Grow, the vacation rental show where we interview experts in the industry who can give you advice to help you grow. Or if you're just starting out, what you might need to do as a base. It's all about helping people in vacation rentals. And Brandy Canale, I'm so excited to have her today. She's very unique in the industry, guys. And if you don't know her, I'm so happy to introduce you to her. She is a Forbes 30 under 30 in consumer technology. And she's the chief operating officer at Sextant Stays. That's a vacation rental company. And tell me a little bit about Sextant Stays, Brandy. I'm excited to learn more. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm happy to be here. It's exciting to to get to talk to you. So yes, Sexton is based in Miami, Florida. We have properties from West Palm Beach, Fort Lauderdale, Miami, and kind of everywhere in between in South Florida, and also a market in New Orleans. We started in 2015. I joined the company in 2016, and there were just a handful of us. I was the second employee. So uh, we've definitely grown a lot since then. And we started off in kind of the traditional maybe model of single family homes. We didn't have traditional owners, but we were kind of doing the rental arbitrage model. And then over the course of a few years, we started taking over boutique apartment buildings, you know, 10, 15 units. And in the beginning of 2020, we were still relatively small. We had about 60 units. And then through some kind of like opportune timing with funding, we were able to take advantage of some of the other awesome assets that came on the market. And we grew by 650% by the end of 2020. That's when we added our entire New Orleans market and lots of buildings in South Florida. So now we manage over 500 units. So it's been quite the journey. And, you know, we've totally pivoted from the single family home model. If anyone listening is in the Miami area, you know, it's very difficult in terms of regulation and just inventory in general. So this switch made the most sense for us. Now, I heard that you almost quit your first year. Is that so? (laughs) Yeah, that is true. So (laughs) tell me about that. Yeah. So I guess my background is a little interesting. So I went to Northeastern University for my undergraduate degree and I did a dual degree program in international business. So you did half at Northeastern and half at a partner school. And mine was ICADE in Madrid. And then you got automatically accepted into the master's program, but it was only a one-year master's. And so one year goes by pretty quickly. And I finished exams and I was like, I'm supposed to have a job right now. And I did not have a job. And so... (laughs) My cousin's boyfriend, Andreas, a boyfriend at the time, current husband, he was starting this business. He'd started with his own personal properties, uh, two of them, and he needed some help. It was getting a little bit unwieldy. I think he had added a couple of properties by then. And so the general plan was, okay, come down. You can apply for other jobs while you're here, but I just need some help. And I thought that was perfect. I mean, like I was, what, 23 living in Miami, get to take my time applying for jobs. It sounded awesome. (laughs) And 
so I came down and, you know, when you kind of go through the school trajectory that I was on, there's a lot of external and then self-imposed pressure as to the type of job that you're supposed to be getting. You know, my friends were going to like Bain and McKinsey and Bosch and, you know, big companies, big brand names. And it felt like I was working at a company that wasn't even a company. I had a lot of people being like, what are you doing? Like, you know, are you cleaning? You're doing target runs, you're assembling furniture. And I didn't really like living down here. I was having a hard time. And in retrospect, I think it was the problem that anyone has when you're an adult and you move to a new city where you don't know really anyone. Right, 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 right. You don't have like that built-in group to get to know people through. And so I was coming towards the end of a year and I was like, you know, I can't complain about not liking my life situation if I'm not doing anything to change it. So my thought was I'll take a couple months off. I'll go travel through South America and then I'll come back to my parents' house, kind of like regroup, apply for jobs that fit kind of the mold that I wanted my life to go through at the time. And so I quit. (laughs) And then I had a very frank conversation with Andreas, like, you know, we're family. So I, you know, it was, there was no hard feelings or anything, but he really kind of spelled out his vision for the company. There was some more seed money that was potentially coming in. It looked very likely. And, you know, he said the reason he didn't tell me is because it wasn't like a hundred percent like money in the bank. And so once I kind of saw this bigger vision of how we foresaw the company growing, I unquit. You bought into the vision. Oh, a hundred percent. Love it. Love it. Yeah. And I mean, Andreas is incredibly charismatic and convincing and he's been a really great friend and someone to learn from. He has a relentless drive. And so I was like, okay, you know what? Maybe this is something that I should stick with. And I still got to go and travel through South America for two months, (laughs) which was awesome. Nice. Yeah, yeah, I did Colombia and Peru. So that was awesome. And then I came back and it felt more like, okay, we were really getting to work. We were adding more properties and added more employees, kind of more employees. We went from like three people to six people, which was, you know, we doubled the size of the company. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. And then it just kind of like took off from there. So yeah, my family loves to bring that up that I quit and unquit and got paid to travel through (laughs) South America. (laughs) It's not a bad story. I always ask everybody on this show, I always ask them to tell me a guest and an owner's story. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. So mine kind of encompasses all the components of the industry. The guests are employees and an owner. And so unfortunately, it kind of starts with tragedy. There was the Surfside Tower that collapsed a few blocks away in this kind of the same area. We had a building that we had signed for, but we hadn't onboarded it yet or anything like that. And Andreas talked with the owner and was like, Hey, like we want to get this thing onboarded in 48 hours and offer free housing to family that were coming down to deal with all of that. And our team onboarded the building in 48 hours, like absolutely everything we had partnerships. I think people were donating. So we were able to fill all the refrigerators with food. We wanted to make, you know, obviously that was such a tragedy and they, you don't want people to have to think about, Oh my God, what am I eating right now? And so for me, it was like, everybody had to cooperate. Like the landlord had to cooperate. All of our employees like worked around the clock to get all that done. And then from the guests, it just felt good to be able to provide people for one month, like just relax on this front. Like you already have enough to deal with. 
and you can do what's important and focus on your friends and family and kind of recovering from this loss. Go, you go. That is a wonderful, wonderful story. Gosh, that is probably the best story I've had so far. Oh, wow. I have to tell you, that's a really touching story. What a blessing you were to all those people. You know, there's times where there's an opportunity to really do something impactful. And that really was, I think, probably the most impactful thing we've done. So you've grown from bootstrapped all the way to a $45 million organization. What do you attribute your success to, your growth strategy? What type of strategy did you adopt to grow that quickly and that much? I think it's interesting that from some people's perspective, it was quick. And then from my perspective, sometimes I felt like it wasn't quick. I think it happened very fast. Like the first couple of years seemed to be because you have no track record. You have to convince a landlord to let you take over their apartment or condo building, whatever it is. And it takes some convincing. So First and foremost, a lot of things are timing. In 2020, when COVID hit, we had just received one of our tranches of funding. So we had cash and a lot of our competitors that we ended up taking over did not. And so like that is, I mean, just kind of like a freak global event really helped in this situation. But also not getting caught up in the kind of media frenzy that's going on. And I think that this is in particular for urban operators. I just remember seeing all these companies raising so much money and opening buildings like all over the world. And I was like, how is this possible? Like, I, I did they even exist a year ago? And now they have all these buildings and we're like, you know, totally hustling and we're not getting that kind of traction. And what has been a really good lesson for me to learn, oh, there's a couple. First, PR is PR. So you can pretty much get anything published if you want to. PR serves a purpose, absolutely. But you know, as the reader, you kind of have to recognize that there is a story being told. And then secondly, our thought has been to go a mile deep instead of a mile wide. You know, if we have a building in Savannah that's 10 units, we still probably have to have some sort of city manager or operations manager there and the staff and everything. And there's costs associated with that that you can't level across 100 units bringing in or 200 units bringing in revenue. And so we have really expanded in the markets that we're in. That's still our current strategy. And it's with those initial landlords that we have, we've been nurturing really great relationships with our landlord partners. So a lot of these landlords are, you know, in the scale of multifamily buildings, kind of like smaller boutique players, but I mean, they're still 77 unit buildings, hundred unit buildings. They're not small. I have a question. Sure. You literally bootstrapped and grew from your brother-in-law's units that he was managing himself, right? Yeah. So and he's brother-in-law. He's my cousin. Cousin. I have a very big family. So yeah, he had his first property was something that he was able to buy right out of college. Where did he buy it? In Miami. And Miami real estate was a lot different than it is right now. And so <laughs> well, yeah. he tells a story of rented it out one Christmas or something run New Year's or something like that and paid his mortgage for like more than that for the month and like was and was able to like pay back the cost of all the furniture and sprucing up the apartment. Did he do Airbnb? Is that what he was doing? Yeah, I think he put it on Verbo at the time. And that kind of like clicked off the light bulb in his head that like, oh, this is something that I could be doing in a lot of different places. And so then, you know, I think after a year or so, there was like a small amount of seed funding. And then that kind of grew with the same investor over time. How We Grow is proud to partner with Limbrook Group, the experts in vacation payment solutions. 
When you choose Limbrook, you not only get a payment software that directly integrates into your reservation system, but decades of experience, giving you the best team when it comes to integrated homeowner payments and chargeback mitigation. Connect with them online at limbrookgroup.com to learn more. So do you own all, you don't own all of your own properties that you We manage. don't own any of them, except he owns that one. <laughs> wow. That really is bones to, I mean, you're starting small and you're coming big and you're just, you're like, I like this. Obviously he liked managing his own unit. Yeah. And I think it was like being your own boss and really being in control of your own destiny. And I've said that like being employee number two is the closest to owning my own business as I ever want. Like I've definitely gotten enough of the taste of it from this whole process. I did our accounting for three and a half years. And if any of my accounting professors heard that, they would probably like burst out <laughs> laughing. But I did a pretty good job according to our current accounting staff. So good for you. Yeah. You know, it's like, I think one of the things I've really loved is you really get to figure everything out. And there's two sides to that coin, right? There have been times where like, I would just love it if someone could tell me how to do this. But on the flip side of that, it's like, wow, I just get to do whatever I want and see if it works. And then if it doesn't work, we get to try something else. And Obviously, as you get bigger, the consequences of having bad ideas, they become a little more <laughs> severe. But it also, the only way that we get better is through trial and error. And one of our core values is being adaptable because we could be in the middle of implementing something that we thought was a great idea and realize that, oh, this is not a good idea. And we'll just be like, okay, abandon. Like, yeah, exactly. Try something else, pivot. And I think that that is one of the really fun things about growing this business. Like when we onboarded the New Orleans buildings, this is like peak COVID. And we had bought all this furniture from an operator that went out of business. And they were like, okay, it's coming in 10 or 12 different tractor trailers over the course of a certain amount of time, right? We didn't have a warehouse. In the bottom of the building that we were opening, there was a restaurant that hadn't been built out yet. And our landlords were like, yeah, you can use that as your warehouse. So the logistics company is like, what's your warehouse situation? Like what kind of loading dock do you have? And we're like, we have rented a forklift and a forklift driver and we have movers and we've taken the doors off the hinges. And that is the situation. And so it's kind of unconventional. And one morning they're like, okay, we need to have one tractor trailer length blocked out on the street. Well, like three of them showed up at the same time. It was just like, I guess we're just panic unloading these. It was, it was like one of the most stressful, but also one of the most fun times, like in hindsight, it was a totally unique experience. So I want to tell tell everybody listening, guys, during that time she's talking about in 2020, her company grew 650% that year. That's huge growth. And here's the thing that I took out of what you just said, and I'm so impressed by it because that's one of the hardest things to do as a business person is to just make a decision. You're right, you're wrong. It doesn't matter. You're the one doing it. Trust your gut, trust your decision-making. If you don't have data, if you have data, trust data. If not, exactly. if not trust yourself to make the decision, if it doesn't work, turn it around. So I think in business 101, that's actually, that's one of the first things I learned too in business was just make the decision, Linnell, and deal with the consequences as they come. So that's that's very good advice, I think, and fundamental for people that are growing their own business. If you could make one change to the short-term rental industry, what would that change be? It's a great question. 
I think, and this is happening now more with people like the great folks at Rent Responsibly, but more cooperation and kind of compiling of information. It's easy to operate in a silo because, you know, you're caught up in the whirlwind of your day to day. And we're guilty of it too. Like there's probably things that we could be doing more to kind of be collaborative, but it's like finding information that would be helpful to everyone. There's people that have been in this industry for, you know, decades and decades and have such a wealth of information. And so it's how do you compile some of that knowledge so that when those people retire or they sell their business or whatever it is that you don't lose that knowledge? How do you crowdsource if you're going through not even just a regulatory issue, but if you're fighting some sort of battle that there might be somebody else fighting the same thing? I think that there has been more of a push towards that. I definitely will say that the I think conversations so have been more like that in the last couple of years. But I think when I started in the industry, everything felt a lot more volatile or tense. A lot of the conferences that I was going to in 2016, 2017 had this kind of like undercurrent of tension and competition. Competition. And I think there was definitely a resistance to change. And so in the last two years, I think there's been kind of a redirect in people's energies and starting to see more collaboration because there is enough of the pie to go around, you know? Yeah, there is. And there's a group of urban operators that we all kind of have like a chat with and we'll share, you know, someone needs help with something or an idea or just getting together to crowdsource those kinds of things. I think seeing more of that would be great. I've seen a lot of private groups and secret groups even that have been created to do exactly that. They're not in competitive areas. They don't mind sharing. And I agree with you. I've seen a change since the 2000s as well. People have gotten together and they want to have a group of experts and they go, here's our problem that we're having. Can you help? And I agree. Crowdsourcing that would be great. If we had a platform that did that really well, that would be wonderful. Yeah, like a central database. And, you know, one of the things that I found to be kind of funny over the last couple of years, like I was always looking for mentors or people that I could just get some information, especially from the technology perspective and distribution and all of that. And then all of a sudden I found myself, I'm like, I'm the one talking about it. And I just thought that that was such a funny shift because I still feel like there's so much to learn. I think you never stop learning, but sharing some of that information, like having the operators be the people that are sharing best practices that are really working rather than the technology partners or things like that. I know that you're with Inhabit, so, but um, you know. No, like- I agree 100% rather than the vendor. Matt Landau has a group like that that you can join. And I love that. I think that that's phenomenal. You know, my family's in property management. That's how I ended up being a vendor. So I, I personally have put together lots of groups of people that can talk to each other about issues they may be having and about the products they use too. I think it's really important before you buy a product to talk with somebody else that's using it or a couple, you know, Hey, how do you like that? What are the positives? What are the negatives? I have a real heart for people in our industry because it's not easy. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this. If you went back to your 21 year old self, what advice would you give yourself knowing then where you were and where you are now? Yeah, I think that I would tell myself to kind of drop my ego a little bit. Like I mentioned before, my peers were going in these more, quote, illustrious directions. Oh, yeah. You know, and I did not view this industry as an industry. Like I didn't even really know about it. 
I had done a thesis on Airbnb, but to me, Airbnb was like its own separate thing. It was part of the sharing economy. It wasn't part of the short-term rental or vacation rental industry. And I didn't have a lot of, I wouldn't say respect, but I didn't hold this industry. It was kind of like indifferent, right? And I was very hard on myself for not fulfilling a career path that I thought I was supposed to have. So, (laughs) you know, so if I could go back, I would be like, you know what, this path is what you make it. You know, I have some friends that went to those big names and they're miserable, you know, and I love what I do. Even in the days where it's total chaos, I would not trade it for the world. No, I understand. I, I had the same kind of issue you did when I started my business. It was the same kind of thing. I had put in 99 resumes I wanted to really work for Microsoft or I wanted to work for some of the up and coming really big companies doing programming and database work. That was my passion. (laughs) I was like, between my family asking me to do that and my business partner at the time said, just come on, let's try it for six months. And nobody was hiring. And then two years later, when all those resumes come in and you get that call from Microsoft saying, hey, we got your resume. And you're like, "Mm." yeah, it's like, don't you think I needed that job at the time I applied for it? Okay. So let me ask you one last question. And here's the question. Sure. What advice would you give anyone looking to grow their vacation rental business? It doesn't have to be one thing, but there are lots of people I hope that are listening that really do want to grow their business. Yeah. I think first, the people you surround yourself with are incredibly important. Kind of whatever level that you're at, there's a level of hustling in this industry that is necessary. It's a difficult, hospitality is not for the faint of heart, you know? And so also making sure you have people around you that are positive, that are encouraging, because you're going to come up against some real challenges. And if you have a united front, if you all are revolving around the same kind of mindset or core values, that's going to get you through some incredibly difficult times that are inevitable, you know? And then it makes the victories that much sweeter when you feel like you've worked together as a, I wouldn't say family, but as like a tight knit group to achieve all of that. And then the second more practical part is definitely making sure that the technology that you're using is working for you. You know, there are so many vendors, there will probably continue to be different people that come into the space. So like you said, you want to make sure that you are interviewing, that you have the must haves, like what you need for your business and what I need for my business are probably two totally different things. And so making sure that you know, like, okay, I could live without X feature if that means I get all these other things. So I would say building your tech stack for where you think you're going to be in a year or two, because even if the technology might be a little bit big for you, quote unquote, like if you know you might add 10 or 20 more units, you can grow into that. And it's always easier to change anything when you are smaller. I have done a lot of migrations and it does not get easier with time. (laughs) Or less expensive. Oh no. The cost always goes up as you get bigger. So yeah, I think making sure you have a great team, a team that you can trust and that supports you. And then also making sure that your technology is the stuff that's actually going to work for the business model that you've set up. Well, I agree with you hundred percent. That's very good advice. And I just want to say, Brandy, thank you so much for coming to be a part of this. I am grateful and uh, really excited to have talked to you. I wish you the best of luck. I think your business model is really unique. I love the fact that you're doing buildings. I know a lot of people on the East Coast, they do vacation rental homes, individual homes down there, but you have a lot of unique challenges because of what you've chosen too. And I also just want to say thank you so much for all that you did during that time when that building fell. That was 
everybody in the world is looking on, but I don't know if you got press for that, but I sure hope you did because congratulations for doing an amazing thing. We did. Thank you. Yeah, that was a, I guess, an added bonus to that. And I will say as one last thing, we are rebranding in March. So yes, I'll be able to share all of that in the beginning of March, but I'm excited to... So why are you rebranding? Can you tell that part? Oh yeah. Well, first and foremost, so we don't have the word sex in our name. (laughs) Oh, well, there you go. I hadn't thought about that, but if you search for you, which I did on my phone, I was like searching and I thought, I wonder if Google's going to put me in some bad places. I did think that it's true. I mean, just kind of like customer facing, you want something that's easy for people to digest, especially also if anyone is foreign or international doesn't speak English, like looking at sextant stays is kind of a lot. And also all of our ads usually get rejected the first time and we have to resubmit them. Uh, But people know what a sextant is, don't they? You know what? No. You're guiding people, but well, okay. That's, I'm glad you know. If someone ever knows what a sextant is, I'm like, did you grow up sailing in Connecticut? Yes, because that's we like, grew up in the water. Exactly. exactly, exactly. But yes, so that's why. So stay tuned. We'll have some fun announcements in the spring. It'll be- We'll be excited to hear. We'll be waiting to hear. I know it'll be amazing. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, Brandy. And I hope to see you at some of the conferences that we have in the industry. Absolutely. All right. Thanks again. This episode of How We Grow was brought to you by Limbrook Group. To find out more about how Limbrook Group can help to grow your vacation rental business, visit limbrookgroup.com. Make sure to search for How We Grow in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found and hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. On behalf of the team here at Inhabit, thanks for listening.